Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane here with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast and the Hard 90 Podcast, where I have hijacked Zach Sorensen's Hard 90 Podcast. Today, super excited to bring mental performance coach, head of the Atlanta Braves mental performance department, and former Major League Baseball player, Zach Sorensen. He's also an MPM certified coach. And here today to talk about his book, The Hard 90, and his podcast, The Hard 90, and excited to be joined by some of the top mental performance coaches in the world. We've got people from all over, all over here to jump on and participate in this sort of live recording of a podcast. So Zach, man, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and talk about your book, The Hard 90, and thanks for sharing that with our audience, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on here. It's, you know, it's always a pleasure to be associated with anything that Brian Kane does. I know you all agree with me. So uh, thanks for letting me be here to share with you and to hopefully learn from you as we go through this today. Yeah, Zach, you know, it's it's super exciting to have you here because not only, you know, did you play in Major League Baseball and be able to offer that perspective, but now you're working as an active mental performance mastery coach in Major League Baseball with the Atlanta Braves. So maybe rewind the clock, if you would, for us to educate, you know, our listeners on your pathway into mental performance, kind of when that started for you, like kind of spiked your interest as a player, and then your journey to get to where you are today, because it's fascinating. Yeah, so, you know, Kind of a kind of a really cool story, as as you mentioned, and, and you've heard this several times. But I got done playing the game in 2007, and you know I, I decided it was time to to head home to be a full time dad and to, to be to be around the house more often. I played 10 years professional baseball, two years in the big leagues, and uh, it was just time to give back to my wife. You know, time to give back to my kids. And the thing about sport, the thing about the game of baseball, especially, is once it's in your blood, it's in your blood, right? And it's tough to get rid of that, and and, and you love it. So. You know, a couple of years after I got done playing, we'd go down and catch spring training games and watch this and that. And and one of the games I went to, uh, Mark Shapiro, who was the president of the Cleveland Indians at the time, he was my general manager with Cleveland. Uh, he he got us a couple tickets for the family, and we went and sat down next to him and started talking. And he just came. He was very blunt. He just said, "Hey, what are we going to do to get you back in the game? You know, do you want to manage? Do you want to coach? What is it for you?" And I'm like, "Man, I, I love the game. I just don't know if the timing's right right now for me to to jump in full time." And, he gave me some great advice and he says, listen to yourself talk. And when you listen and hear yourself talk, you'll learn where your passion truly is. Mm. And so, you know, I loved it. And I went home and I'm like, man, you know, I, man, I love talking defense. Yeah, I, I, I learned so much as a defensive player playing shortstop. You know, I could do that all day. And then I'm like, man, but, but I love talking hitting, you know, but, you know, we, there's so many different avenues you could talk about with hitting and base running this and that. So I love the game in general. But then I started thinking about the mental game. And when I was working with young athletes, when I started talking about the mental game, I, I, it was different, right? It was unique and it was different. And I think the reason why is I try to break it down is I needed more mental training as a player. So when I compare myself to other players that you know, played at the same time, maybe we were drafted the same year or this or that, I feel like maybe I got to the big leagues because I had a little bit of a mental edge over them. I wasn't a phenom that you would stare at in the batting cage and be like, wow, that guy's going to be a 10-year vet, right? And But I got there, and, and I think I had a little advantage. But I feel like the reason why I didn't stay longer in the big leagues is because I was out there beating myself up. I had the negative self-talk, and I didn't know what to do about it. And so when I started talking about this to players, I realized that, man, there's an opportunity where I could maybe have a unique perspective because I played the game and I feel like I could really help a lot of people. Because the number one thing I wanted to do when I got done playing the game is I wanted to make a difference out there. And so uh, as, as I started that process of, of realizing, you know, hey, this is a unique area. This is a unique field where I feel like I can make an impact. Um, I said, let's, let's go for it. And let's make this happen. 
So the next step was that I, I, I actually signed up for my master's program and started getting my, my degree in, in sports psychology. Along the way, I wanted to figure out who the very best in the game were in, in all of sport, not just in the game of baseball, but all of sport. And as I started researching it, this guy by the name of Brian Kane <laughs> kept popping up. You know, I just saw him everywhere. And I bought some books. I bought this. I bought the Pride Program, Personal Responsibility and Daily Excellence. I love it. I, I love the title. And that sold me, just the title alone. And I started learning the, the way Brian Kane teaches mental performance training. And right there, I was all in. And I said, this is what I need to do because this is what I needed as a player. And, you know, I remember at that point, I reached out, I tried to connect with Kane. Uh, I, I basically forced my way into his world a little bit. And, and uh, we ended up connecting at Wichita State. He was working with TCU Baseball. Uh, he didn't know this at the time, but I played for Wichita State. I met him there and, and uh, we were able to connect and talk about it. And, and just immediately, I felt like I wanted to absorb, to, to gain, to learn everything that he was teaching because every single thing that he taught was something that would have helped me as a player. And I felt like that a lot of the players out there needed to hear what he is teaching day in and day out. And that's what I kind of committed myself to being able to do. You know, and Zach, I think it's, it's interesting because, I mean, but during that time, right, when you got done playing, you, you went back and, and got a master's degree in sports psychology online. And, you know, I believe you were going through that program when we linked up first and first met in, in Wichita. And you live in Utah, okay? So you flew from St. George, Utah to Wichita, Kansas. And, and you know, I was... I'm busy there with TCU and I got things going on and I'm like, okay, well, I might, I, I don't have a little bit of time, maybe during batting practice to break it down. And you're like, Hey, I'll come. And I'm like, well, if the guy wants to, to come all the way out across the country, okay, let's go. I like the aggressiveness. And then, you know, <laughs> so you come all the way out there and we're walking around the stadium, you know, to go to kind of have, find a place to talk. And I stop and I look and it's like, I put it together and I'm like, wait a minute you're that guy because there was a statue of you like at at Wichita State because you were a three-time All-American when you played there. So I kind of put it together, you know, okay, this guy, this, this is, this guy gets it. He's played the game at a high level. And then the thing that blew me away with you was just, was the humility. It was the willingness to want to learn. It was willing to do whatever it takes. And even the next morning, I remember you said, Hey, you know, maybe we can get up and get breakfast. I said, yeah, I'll meet you. I'll meet you at like 4am on the treadmill. And you're like, okay. And I get down there and it's like three, you know, three fifty, and you're already in there getting after it. And I was just like, this is almost, it was almost like a test to say, how bad does this guy want it? Right. And you flew, you, you've continually to, to knock all of those out of the park with flying colors, but let's go back to your master's degree program. And if you can, for the mental performance coaches that are here, cause I know I get questions a lot. Do I need to go get a master's degree? And you're now working in Major League Baseball. You have a master's degree. You're also MPM certified. So can you kind of compare and contrast the benefits of, of the master's degree and the program you went through, the benefits of MPM certification, and what suggestion would you have for people that are thinking about going down the master's route versus the MPM cert route? Yeah. So I think one of the main things that, that Kaner talks about when he talks about working as an MPM is you know, who's your audience? And you have to know who your audience is. So, so for me, you know, I... I, I knew I wanted to work in baseball for the most part. I love working in all sports. I really do. Um, and, I, and I plan to, and I, and I do. Uh, but but baseball is natural for me. And I think I, I gained credibility immediately with the players. Now, my, my plan wasn't initially to go just jump on with a major league team or, or an organization because I knew that I was going to take some time. Uh, fortunately for me, it happened. Now, one thing at that level, it is a requirement for most teams that you do have a master's degree. 
So having the, you know, the letters after my name allows me to go get interviewed and allows me to get to that level. However, when it comes to teaching the mental game, there's a night and day difference between what I learned through the MPM or by jumping on any call I can with Kane or getting my hands on any material or literature or whatever it might be written by Brian Kane compared to what I got in my master's program. Now, I love my program. It was great. It was good to get things on paper. It was good to go through the processing, but there's very little that I actually use from my master's program with what I teach my players. And, and I think part of it is um, what I like to talk about is, is at, especially at the elite level, at the major league level or, or the minor league level, and I know this as a player and I know this from working with players, that never-ending eagerness to get better, that growth mindset that we teach as MPM coaches is there at that level. They will do whatever it takes, but the key word to that is they will do it. Now, if we're just going to talk mental performance training and we're just going to kind of hang out there and say, hey, you know, I think the example I usually give is, is you know, let's say a player is kind of struggling in his performance. So he comes and knocks on our door. Okay. And we have a door and we open up the door and we have a nice couch or, or cushion seat for him to sit in. And he comes and sits down and he talks about what's going on. And he, he's nervous here when the lights go on and this and that, uh, you know, for me to tell him that he's probably experiencing performance anxiety and then put my arm around him isn't good enough for a player at that level. They want to know what to do about it. And when they get out there an hour and a half later, they want to know how they're going to be able to overcome, beat it, and put it behind them. Now, here's what's cool about these guys. They, they have that in them. They will do whatever it takes as long as they trust you as a coach. All right. They trust you as a coach, number one. They know that you care about them, number two. And number three, they know that you're going to make them better. So when I work with a team, when I work with a player, those are the three things I focus on right out of the gate. Can I gain that as quick as I can? And when I do, and I give them things to do, these gentlemen at this level, you know, the, the players we have a chance to work with at all the levels, they will put in the work. When they see the results, they're going to keep coming back for more and more and more. So that's what I got. When I, when I started hanging out with Kane, I started learning his techniques, his strategies, and they were all about going out and getting it done, putting in the work and doing what it takes to be confident, okay? Not just gain confidence, but to be confident, you know, along those lines. Um, it was a game changer for me as a coach, and I was immediately able to connect with the players and, and make a difference in their careers. Love that. And I think, yeah, I think that's a good and important distinction. And we get this question a lot, so I want to kind of address it is people say, well, do I need a master's degree? And the answer is, depends. Yeah, or do I need a PhD? Answer is depends. And it depends on what it is you want to do. I will, I will go on record to say you can never go wrong with more education, but don't think that more education is going to get you results. What gets you a results is a system. And the benefit I had of going to do a master's with Ken Revisa was every day for two years, I got to go observe him do work. I got to go see him work with the Angels, Long Beach, UCLA, Cal State Fullerton. We'd be sitting in class and all of a sudden, Michael Powell, who, who set the world record and jumped a first down and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, jumped like 30 feet, is assistant track coach there. And he walks by and Ken says, hey, Mike, Mike, would you come in and talk to the grad students about the jump? And he comes in and three hours later, he's talking, still talking about the jump. You just didn't get, you know, you didn't get the opportunity to do that. Um, I thought that was, no, I thought that you, I thought you did that everywhere. You don't get the opportunity to do that. 
So I look at it as my responsibility to carry the coach that Ken Revisa gave to me and to bring to you as MPM coaches to bring out to the world to see this is how we do the work. This is what it looks like. This is what the strategies are that you share. So I, I would put the MPM certification up against any master's program, any PhD program, and this is what you do to get results. There's going to be a lot of jobs that need to check the box that you have the academic degree of a master's or a PhD. That's the reality. And Zach, you did yours online. Uh, did you ever meet any of your professors or get to see them work with a coach athlete or team? No, I haven't yet. And what's interesting, because I had the experience as a player, um, man, they were blown away by some of the things. They, they were excited for what I was going to share with the, with the class each and every day because I had the experience. And I think that's what's really you know, awesome about what you're talking about right here is, is what the MPM kind of gives you that maybe, maybe the classroom won't is it's going to give you experience. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, just like I was able to tell people just yesterday, ah, I was in a call with Corbin Burns. Mm. I mean, awesome. Uh, Sean Casey, I did a call with Sean Casey a couple of weeks ago, you know, and here you have players that have played at the elite level that have tested and tried the mental game. They have excelled at it and they have built a career because they were strong in it. And, and I always ask that question, you know, would you, would you, and, and again, I'm not here to, to take anything away from my professors, to take anything away from the program that I had because it was necessary. I would not be working the job I'm working right now at, in, in professional baseball if I didn't have a master's program. But after you get the job, now what are you going to do? Correct. And, and, and I think that's so important for you guys to understand, you know, you know, based on what you want to do with the MPM or based on what you want to do with mental performance training. And as a mental performance coach, you recognize what the minimum requirements are. Okay. And then you also, what are the, what's the maximum benefit? So minimum requirements and then maximum, maximum benefit. And here's what I mean by that. So I get a phone call last year. I got hired by the Atlanta Braves and, and they say, Hey, we do not have any other mental performance coaches in our, in our our, our organization. So it's your deal. And I'm like, really, you know, my deal, like, like my framework, my program, this and that. And they're like, yeah, then COVID hits. All right. And we get shut down for the year. So I went the whole year without really being able to impact the players like I wanted to. And I was so excited because I finally was going to be able to do it the way I wanted to do it. And then the phone rings like mid season. Okay. And the minor league players are back home having a, having a tough year and not getting to play. I get a phone call because they have a player up at the big league level. All right. And they say, we've tried everything we can. Can you see if you can help him? And all of a sudden it's like, guess what? Framework. Okay. Structure. How am I going to help this player? And you're either going to be prepared at that point or you're not, because it's no different than being a professional baseball player. Corbin Burns in his call yesterday says, why is he doing so well right now? Because he's prepared now. In 2019, he, he said he got his teeth kicked in because he wasn't prepared. So when the phone rings for you as an MPM coach, the question I have for you is, are you prepared to jump on it that day and to say, yes, here's the first thing we're going to do. Here's the next thing we're going to do. And here's how we're going to carry you through a process that's going to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Let's get going right now. And I think the importance is as a mental performance coach is that you have, you, you have a framework and you have a process to take people through. And, and I remember it was interesting because it's, it's, it's always good and bad. It's not one or the other. It's always both. Right. So there's that, that middle ground that we live in and you want to have a framework where for me, the framework is the 10 pillars for you. I want you to talk about the phen the, the framework of phenom at the same time, we're making champions, not cookies. It's not like I can use the same recipe for everybody. So if I'm talking to a high school athlete or I'm talking to a pro athlete or a figure skater or a UFC fighter, 
The content may look the same. The delivery, the connection, the intensity, the language is going to meet that need of the learner. So Ken Revisa would always say, you got to be a chameleon in that you got to be able to, to learn the culture, learn the environment, and you got to be able to blend in because people like people like them. And I think as a coach, that's been one of the biggest challenges, yet one of the most exciting and rewarding things, having done this for two decades, is all the different environments that you get in, how much you learn about yourself, how much you learn about the different sports. I mean, working in football is going to be a lot different than working in basketball, than baseball, than softball, you know, than, than working with an individual, working with a high school athlete is different than a major league athlete although the content is often the same. I mean, every single one of them, I often start with just, hey, let's control what we can control and let's identify the drills that we're going to do to develop these skills and get you the skill set. It's just the delivery is going to be a little bit different. So, Zach, I think the importance of a framework and for the NPM coaches, I would say start with the 10 pillars and then add your own, adjust, modify so that it fits for you and it fits for the people who you're serving. Would you talk about maybe what you use most from the certification, but then also the framework that you've adopted for the Braves and for your consulting practice with Phenom? Yeah. And I love how you said that, Kaner, because you know when, when that phone does ring and you get that opportunity and, and right there, it's like, man, you're in the game. You know, They called your name and, and you're in the lineup all of a sudden. What are you going to do with it? So again, for me, it always goes back to the same thing I was talking about earlier, where it's like, okay, how can I connect with them as quick as I can? Now, I remember when I was with another organization a few years ago with the Texas Rangers, and, and they were telling me about a couple of players, hey, you know, these are the guys that kind of need help, but it's going to take you a full season to kind of develop a relationship with these guys. So take your time. I wouldn't even talk mental training at all with them over the course of the whole summer. Now, here's my perspective. As a player, okay, when I was coming up through, I didn't have the whole season. I needed to make adjustments like today, maybe yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yesterday. And so it needs to happen now. So I have to connect with them as quick as I can. How do you connect with somebody? You show them that you're going to make a difference in their world, in their life. Okay. So as you get to know them, you ask the right questions. Ken, you've talked about that a lot. You know, the only thing that's better than a good answer is a good question. Okay. So I, I get to know him real quickly and then I know where to start. Okay. I know where to, I know to start. And I did the same thing with my player last year. I jumped right into control what you can't control when something made sense to him. So I started breaking it down with him. I said, okay, there's two big circles on a ball field. There's the pitcher's mound. There's home plate. Where are you focusing as a player? And he's like, well, everything happens at home plate, man. That's where contact is made. That's where my catcher is putting the signs down. That's where the umpire is. And I'm like, can you control the umpire? Can you control the catcher? Can you control the other hitter? No, 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 no. What can you control? Only thing you can control is what happens on the mound. All of a sudden, my, my guy's like, wait a second. I've never heard that before. That just took a ton of pressure off my back. All I have to focus on is what I do on my end and nothing I can do. After I release the ball, nothing I can control. And all of a sudden, game changer, boom. He's like, tell me more, tell me more. And then he says to me something that's awesome. And I think this is important here. Then we'll get into structure and framework. I said, hey, if I'm hitting you too hard with this mental performance training, let me know. Because I was sending him, he had a daily video for me every single day. And then he would look at it with an email and we'd call every single night on FaceTime for about seven straight weeks. And uh, I said, if I'm hitting you too hard, you let me know. And he says, listen, we never get to talk about this. He goes, we talk about technique, we talk about strategy, but we never talk about mental performance training and we're talking the major league level here, okay? This is the best of the best. We don't ever get to talk about it. So he's like, anything you ever hear, send it my way. And I do that with him, and he continues to bring it and learn. So, so think about that. What you're teaching, most of your athletes have never heard before. And, and so they're going to welcome it as long as they can trust you. 
But yeah, going back to what you're saying, Kaner, hopefully I made a difference with what I said there and kind of interesting perspective. But, uh, you know, I did create a framework for myself. And um, as you guys can see here, uh, you see this okay? Can you see yes. me? Yes. Yep. Okay. So, so for me, it's all based on the acronym PHENOM. All right. And when you look at this, what you're going to see is you're going to see the pillars are sitting right here. Um, you know, and there's always a reason why you do things. One of the reasons why for me, when I was a ball player, every single night you play at 7.05 or 7.10 at night. Okay. And you get yourself ready. It's routine. You get to the ballpark at the same time. You eat that peanut butter and jelly sandwich at the exact same time every single night. Right. And the anthem, you go play your game, except on Sunday. Sunday's a day game. It's like a 205 start. Who knows why, but there's like a 205 start. It throws off your whole routine. So you got to find a way to get yourself going on those days. And what's unique and what's interesting, oftentimes on those days, you don't take batting practice. It's kind of like show and go, right? We call it wake and rake. It's time to wake and rake. So how are you going to get yourself ready to play a game when you're not going through the normal routine that you normally go through? So for me, I had to mix it up and I went pants high and I, and I needed to feel fast. So I wore these shoes and they were called phenoms. Okay. They were patent leather, plastic showboat shoes. And I'm not a showboat guy if any of you get to know me, but I wore them because it, I knew that I had to perform at a different level that day in order to look okay. So Phenom was, was one thing that I use. And as I started breaking down my uh, skills that make up the skill set of mental toughness, this, this came to life for me. So process over outcome, honest self-evaluation, emotional control, never-ending eagerness to get better, overpowering adversity, embracing failure. And then, you know, it's my mental imagery and self-talk. So now those are the same that Brian Kane teaches, you know, and, and, you know, one thing I love about what, what Kaner has always done to me, everything that he teaches, everything that he gives you, he looks at it as if it's yours. He really does. You know, this content is your content. And what's so awesome and interesting about the way he coaches and teaches is he wants you, especially now that he's developed this MPM, he wants you to take anything that you like, anything you get out of this training, and he wants you to take it to the world because he recognizes that everybody out there can benefit from this, athletes especially, but people in general are going to benefit from the MPM and what you're taught and what you teach throughout that. So, and as you can see, and we won't go through each one of them, I, I have broken it down. So I have my skills. I've got my seven skills that make up mental performance to, or mental toughness. And then under each skill, I've got four drills that I use to help them to build the process over outcome mentality or the honest self-evaluation mentality. And, and that kind of creates my framework. Now, throughout this process, I really teach and I love to teach that we do mental performance training before, during, and after each competition. So for me, just like I have written in my book, it's the prepare, compete, progress phase. Okay. And we'll, we'll break that down and talk about that a little bit as well. But there's always going to be something for you to do. Okay. There's always going to be something for you to do when it comes to mental performance training prior to the game starting. That's the prepare phase that sometimes that takes place a week before your training. If you're an, if you're an Ironman, we just had a big Ironman uh, in St. George here in my hometown on, on Saturday. Uh, you're going to train for a long time prior to your event. What about during the event? Do you need mental toughness during the event? Absolutely. Kane shaking his head, nodding his head right now. He's feeling the pain a little bit. Just me talking about the St. George <laughs> Ironman. And then after the event, after the competition, there is tons of mental performance training that takes place after the fact. And that's where you progress into becoming some of the, that you want to be. So for me, the framework is very important. That doesn't mean I have to start with process over outcome. Okay. I will go at a player. I will hopefully ask the right questions to that player. I'm going to establish that credibility with them. We're going to dive into something that's going to hit them really hard right away. And hopefully we're going to get just a little bit of results immediately. And after you get just a little bit of results, man, they're going to listen to everything you have to say. 
you know, Zach, the other thing I think that's so cool is with, with the hard 90 in your book is how you have also taken that and built that into a podcast. And I think that's one of the, one of the things that I like is how you, with your framework, if you can pull that back up here and then kind of maybe educate our NPM coaches on how you're attacking your, your podcast so that when they're listening to it, they know, okay, I know how Zach is now frameworking in his mind, the content that he's creating for the podcast, because the book, when you're an NPM coach, your, your, your products, so your book, your podcast, your logos, the clothes that you wear, your brand, the experience they get when they get with you in person, every, all of that should align. And for you in, in what you have here, I think it aligns brilliantly. So could you kind of talk about in your head how you're going about structuring the Hard 90 podcast to, to get it started? Yeah. So, so for me, kind of a, you know, here's what I decided I wanted to do once I had the framework and structure and, you know, one thing that's so interesting when you start coaching as an MPM coach, you have this whole framework that I kind of have on my mind and you think it's, you know, it makes sense to me. If I were a player, I feel like this was going to help me as a player. And then the phone rings and they're like, can you help this guy? He's 0-7 in the big leagues. Can you see what you can do? All of a sudden, bam, there's your chance to try it out. And then you get some results. You do. And, and you, you say, wow, this really does benefit a player and it does work. Super exciting moment for you as a coach, right? When you start seeing success. And then you start saying, okay, great. I was able to take him through this seven-week program. Now what? Does that mean he's just done? Okay, now that he has seen everything that I have to offer, am I done with him? And this is a question that came up yesterday. And, and Kane, you can expand on that. But for me, it's like, okay, when I'm done with my athletes and they complete the program, okay, for you, it's the certification. For me, it's the seven-week training program or whatever. That's just the beginning, okay? That's just the, for them, that's their foundation and they've seen what it is. But what I, what I saw happen a lot of times is very often what would happen is, you know, a player would go through the program. They would love it. They would be excited about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's three, four, five months later. And I'm like, well, how much of what we actually taught are you still using on a day in day out basis? And, and then I said, okay, hold on a sec. I want to find a way to connect with them. So one of the main things I teach is you got to do a little, a lot. Sean Casey gave this great example of for 18 straight years in his career, he read one chapter out of the mental game of baseball. And I was like, wow. In fact, I remember telling you, Case, I, I, I was like, I was telling Case and I was telling you, Kaner, I was like, I feel like I cheated myself because I didn't have a habit like that, you know, and I wasn't doing those type of things. And so a little, a lot became so important to me. So the concept of 1% a day, 14 minutes and 24 seconds, I teach that. I hit that hard. I, every single one of my athletes with the Atlanta Braves, when I show up, the very first question I have for them is not, how are you feeling? It's what is your 1424? One of my concepts. And so I'm, then all of a sudden I look looked back on myself and I said, okay, I teach and preach 1424. I teach and preach, do a little, a lot. I've got to do it for them. Okay. How can I keep them going? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to create this podcast, just like uh, Dr. Rob Gilbert has created for all of us. I'm going to do this for my athletes based on my framework. Okay. And I'm going to see if I can get them a little bit of information a lot. So for me, here's what it looks like. Process over outcome is what I'm going to talk about. Now this year I started on opening day in baseball. So, but, but in the, in the big picture of things in January, that's where I'm going to talk about process over outcome. And so for the month of January, we're going to get small messages based on process over outcome. 
Week number one, I'm going to talk about control it you can control. Now, I've got messages Monday through Friday on control it you can control. Week number two is routines and habits of excellence, where I start breaking down different routines. Maybe there's some of the players I played with, what they used, what you can get out of them, or this or that. And you kind of can see how I'm going to go about doing that. So I've got seven skills. I've added an extra five when time gets there, okay, that I'm going to talk about. Because there's many things I can still talk about. I can talk about leadership, right? I can talk about, uh, you know, the 168 and scheduling. So I have that, you know, that framework set in place also. But for now, this is my seven, I mean, this is seven months worth of podcasting. And I actually got asked that question today. They're like, well, how are you going to be able to share that many messages? The commitment you just made. Well, it's a framework. And, and yeah, there's going to be times where I get four messages and I'm like, okay, well, I need one more. But with listening to Kane, by being on his calls, by jumping into his books, by listening to Dr. Rob Gilbert, you know, by listening to other podcasts, Justin Sua with Increase Your Impact, you are going to get information that I, I know for myself that I want to share with my athletes day in and day out. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a cool concept of you have your framework you know, seven layers of phenom, four skills, then each of those, or seven, seven column skills of phenom, four kind of drills within each of those skills. And you're going to, you're going to teach a little bit, a lot, three to five minutes, kind of like a success hotline Monday through Friday, and you got a seven month plan. And then if you looked at, let's say your framework was, okay, I'm going to do this for seven months during the baseball season, which starts, you know, opening day, let's say is in April. So it's April, May, June, July, August, September into October. And then if you go November, December, January, February, March, you could do like a longer form one hour podcast a month where you're interviewing somebody who talks about the mental game of baseball, a player with the Braves or a Hall of Famer like a Sean Casey or something on there where you change it up for those five months. And then when the season comes back around, it's almost like you could, you don't, it's a one year deal. You just repeat, you know, and you don't even have to re-record them. It's just, here we go, you know, and people get back into it or, or you can recreate it if that's what you want to do. But I think that that framework is so good. And such an important point for our coaches to take away is having a framework of this is my goal. This is what I want to teach. This is what I believe to be real. And then how you bring that framework into light at the same time, having the flexibility and adaptability to know that every situation is unique and every person is unique. So you have to be able to compensate and adjust. We're making champions, not cookies. Zach, a couple of questions came in here. First is from Randy Bolton. And Randy said, as an MPM coach, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were just getting started, Zach? It's the million dollar question. Yeah, it is the million dollar question. And the problem is I got like 34 answers, right? Um, but, but for me, you know, I think that just recognizing that the mental game is probably, and that's where I, I named the book, The Hard 90, but the mental game is something that can be trained and can be taught. It really can be. And, and it's a game changer. And I think what's interesting for MPM coaches to understand is, is sometimes people will ask me like, oh, you know, like I had some success with a major league pitcher last year. It's the first player I really had a chance to work with. First player I put through the, my, my program. And he went from 0 and 8 to winning four in a row, including the postseason game hmm. and just flipped his, his script. And, um, and, you know, someone that was near, near to me was like, you know, God, what'd you do with him? And first of all, I think you need to understand is my response was, I didn't do anything. It's what he did. Okay. Mm. Because when I start pushing a program or throwing a program and, and taking credit for it, this whole thing goes away. Totally. This isn't my program. This was his program because they're going to take with it what they want to take with it and what hits them the hardest. And it's so interesting, Kane, I know you'll agree with me here is every single time you take an athlete through this program, something 
different hits each player mm. and, and is a game changer for them. Okay. So that's the first thing to realize and recognize is that everybody's going to see something different and, and it's going to be impacted in a different way. This is their program. And our job is just to provide them with it. However, you know, to take a little pressure off yourself. Cause I know for me, it was like, in fact, Kane used to always give me a hard time. He's like, you're in the ready, aim, 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 and you never fire, right? So I, you guys have probably heard him say that. He's like, just fire already. Well, this past year I fired, I wrote a book, I did the program, and I did this, I did all that. And now we're in the phase of going back and, and re-aiming, right, Kaner? But, but one thing you guys need to understand is most of the athletes you're going to have a chance to work with haven't trained the mental game at all, and the coaches haven't caught or taught the mental game whatsoever. So anything you teach them is going to make them better. Okay, so give yourselves a little credit. Start, start firing because anything that you do is going to get them going on the right part. And you're going to realize you're going to get more comfortable. You're going to understand that things are going to happen. The podcast for me, I'm not comfortable doing a podcast. I'm not comfortable throwing that out there and messaging and this and that. But what you find out is as you listen to it, you do get more comfortable. So the more you talk about it, the more you create, the better you're going to be as a coach for sure. Yeah, and I think every time someone someone listens to your podcast and gives you feedback on it or on the book, and they're like, dude, that was tremendous. It changed my life. It just continues to move your confidence needle in the direction you want to go. But it is the start that stops most people. And the concept of ready, fire, aim is so important that you just get started because it's the start to stop those people again and put information out there. And then as you go and as you're doing the work and as you're learning, then make sure you press pause and reflect and go, okay. How is this working? Where can I pivot and maybe get cleaner with my framework or better with my delivery? And I would share that is the importance of coaches. Coaches need coaches. If you look at every Olympic athlete, right? The one thing every Olympic athlete in any sport from anywhere in the world has is they have a coach. And I can say that the trajectory of my career has been directly correlated to the coaches that I have had. When I've had coaches that were a mistake hire, business coach, athletic coach, my performance went backwards. When I hired the wrong guy, I got worse. When I had the right coach or the right gal as a coach, I got better. And the key is to surround yourself with people who are where you want to go, who have been where you want to be, learning their strategies because success leaves clues. So my goal is to be a coach for you as a mental performance coach to help you help you get faster and further along the journey more quickly because I was ready, fire, aim for 20 years and finally said, shit, I got to reorganize here. Let me re-aim ready, aim, fire. And I got a coach and we created the framework of the 10 pillars and the certification, and the athletes program. And that's where I, you know, I've written 42 or 44 books and I kind of don't promote any of them because, you know, so it's, they're good. They're just, it's just not, it's not as good as the athletes program, not as good as the 10 pillars of certification. And, you know, it's not organized the same way. So I don't want to confuse my, my buyers potentially when they come to the website, my potential clients, because a confused buyer doesn't buy. And I think a confused coach is not a good coach. A good coach needs clarity and clarity comes back to your framework. You have to be clear on what you believe, what you teach, how you deliver it and, and where you're trying to take your clients. Zach, another question comes in. Ambrose said, any suggestions on working with parents? I'm working with high school athletes one-on-one, -on -one, uh, not with a coach or a team. Any suggestion on working with their, with their parents? Because you're a parent, you have four children. Yeah, yeah three I do. In, three in high school now, I think, right? Yeah. Yep, I do. And, and, uh, I love working with coaches. I really do. Or sorry, with parents. I love working with parents. In fact, when I go, I go teach or I go talk to, to athletes, I always invite the parents to come along. And my whole goal is to change the conversation around the dinner table or to change the conversation on the ride home from the game. And, 
again, what you have to understand is we always talk about how tough parents are and they are, there's no doubt about it. But the thing I always remind myself is they haven't been taught the mental game either. Mm -hmm. And they would absolutely love to be the type of parent that you can teach them to be. They really would. They just haven't been taught that. All right. And so the, the, you know, the, the story I always use is everybody used to play soccer. Everyone played soccer when they were a little kid, right? Everybody did. And I, and I say, okay, so let's pretend that, you know, little Johnny's out there playing soccer and you're all excited for him. What do we want out of Johnny? And I use this with the parents. I said, what do we want? What kind of player do we want Johnny to be? He's going to hustle. He's going to give great effort, right? His, you know, his energy is going to be there. He's going to be a good teammate, all of these things. How do we pull that out of Johnny? Okay. We say, Hey, Johnny, for every goal you score, I'm going to give you five bucks. Okay. So that's how we pull out those characteristics and qualities out of Johnny is by saying, Hey, let's reward you by paying by five bucks. So Johnny goes out there. Dad can't make it to the game on Saturday. He goes out, he's kicking the ball around this and that doesn't score any goals. Comes home and dad's like, he asked those questions. Hey, did you guys win? Well, no. And Johnny's head's just dropped to the floor. How many goals did you score? Well, none. Well, hey, get them next time. Try harder, okay? And that's, I think, what mental performance training used to be. Try harder. That, I mean, you could sum it up in just try harder is what we used to teach. So then all of a sudden, Johnny, he goes, hey, go get him next week. Johnny goes out and plays again next week. Four shots on goal. Olympic goal, goalkeeper over there, right? Doesn't score. Comes home. Dad's like, did you win? No. How many goals did you score? Zero. What's your problem? Okay. So we motivate by putting our arms around our kids at first. Then when that doesn't work, we start like, I don't know, shaming them. All right. And, and, but the point is, is what I get at is we're asking the wrong questions. Can you, and then I get into the control if you can't control, can you control if you score a goal? Yes or no, not necessarily, but what are the things you can't control? Attitude, effort, body language, energy, competitiveness. What if you were to go back to Johnny and say, Hey, did you compete out there today? Well, yeah, there's a dollar. How was your energy? Good dollar. Right. So that's how I kind of work with parents as I start teaching them how they can parent the mental game. The questions are different. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm in, I'm in. You teach them signal lights. And instead of yelling at their son, like, are you even trying today? Like we used to do as parents, they're like, check that out. He's taking his deep breath. Hmm. Oh, look, look, look. He stepped off the back of the mound and look what he's saying to himself. He's doing everything he can. He's doing everything he can. They will learn right along with you, and they love it almost more than the players do. So good because I think the cool thing about working with parents too, it, it, and I just did I just did a, a, a very well paying corporate seminar in Scottsdale, Arizona last Thursday, and I would say ninety percent of the corporate seminars that I get are because the person who's bringing me in is a parent of one of the athletes I've worked with. So I worked with a high school baseball player since he was a sophomore in high school. He ends up, uh, he was a first round pick of the Rangers and his parents brought me in to work with their company at 15 entrepreneurs when it was incredible, you know? And that's, I think sometimes some of your best marketing is if you get results with high school kids whose parents look at them and go, they, they're not into anything, but they're into what you're teaching. I can't get him to read anything but they're reading what you give them. What are you doing? You know, and then they want to learn. So Zach, I think you're spot on with, we got to educate, educate the parents on the mental game. And I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking about the, 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 the mental game of parenting. And I just posted a video or I'm sorry, a link to a video inside of our chat. Bruce Brown of proactive coaching out near Seattle, Washington, uh, is a men mentor of mine, a guy who I have a ton of respect for. When I was a high school athletic director, I used to bring him into Vermont every couple of years to speak to our coaches, speak to our parents. And his video is the best I've ever seen. I used to show it to our parents every year as, as an AD and we would have a discussion. So I think if you're looking to do any type of parent education, uh, going through that video and seeing that his presentation to them is, is tremendous. So I would highly, highly recommend that you pick that up and anything that Bruce Brown has coaching for coaching for character through sport is one of his books, just tremendous. 
Next question, Zach, comes in from Bruno. And he says, Zach, can you tell us about your routine as a full-time mental coach? And I think one thing we want to say is, is you know, are you full-time or do you have another job that you're working in, in Utah? Yeah. You know, I, I give the Atlanta Braves, originally I, I gave them, I said, I'll come out and be with you guys every other Wednesday through Sunday is what I told them. And, and part of that is what I believe is, is what they need. And part of that's because I do have another job. And, um, you know, I, I'm super passionate about uh, mental performance training. Right now, I haven't taken the full jump into doing that full time. I got a great job uh, that, that allows me to do this. And, and so right now I'm rolling with both of them. And, and so again, it goes back to mental, you know, everything I, I teach in mental performance training, I make sure that I follow along. Okay. So I have to be where my feet are. When I'm done with this call, I close the, I close the laptop up and I'm a dad. And, mm. and it's very important that you follow those, the, the, the structure that you teach your athletes. But when I get out there, I usually fly out there. Okay. And when I get out there immediately for me, it's, it's bring a little bit of energy. It's the fist bumps, it's connection. Okay. You can see right into the hearts and souls of some of those players. I mean, you'll know right away, which ones you need to spend time with before I get out there though. I always make sure I, I let the, the staff know that I'm coming when I'm coming and Hey, just want to think ahead. If you have any players you want me to work with, or if there's anything that you want me to address with the team, let's go for it. And I always get good feedback from my staff. It's very important. I got great relationships with my staff and they know that I'm not, first of all, going to get in their way. I respect them like crazy because what they do on the field every single night at the end of the day is, is, is what these players get paid for. Okay. So I get out there, I'm respectful of what they do, but right away, I'm just connecting with the players. I'm looking for those moments when I can connect with them. So when I'm standing, I'm standing in a junction. Okay. There's a hallway and a hallway and I'm, I'm connected right there. That's where I'm at. All right. So when they come in, I'm the guy holding the door and I'm fist bumping them after the game. So there's, there's areas, areas there. Usually when I get there on a Thursday, I go and I get there in the afternoon or a Wednesday or Thursday, and I just watch the game. I'm, I'm in the dugout and I'm not talking the mental game in the dugout because some of my staff doesn't think that's a good idea. That's fine. I respect that. Occasionally I'll get a starting pitcher who's not pitching that day. and We'll start breaking it down just a little bit, but I'm very respectful of my staff. All right. The next day it's like, okay, it's time to start making some some headway. So that's where I'm going to connect with two or three players each day, sit them down, talk about things, break it down. I always ask them, are you comfortable talking here at the clubhouse or do we need to go somewhere else? You know, I have no problem going off off site, uh, Starbucks, whatever it may be to talk to some players. You know, the old mentality is that you're weak if you talk to a mental performance coach. Okay. We are changing that. Brian Kane is changing that. I'm trying to do the very same thing. In fact, I got t-shirts that say, you know, mental performance. I've got athletes now, players with the Braves asking me for my t-shirt. Okay. Cool. Cause I'm trying to change the whole image. You don't come to me when you're weak. You come to me when you want to get stronger, just like you go to the strength coach to get stronger. Just like you go to the speed coach to get faster. You're going to come to me if you want to be more mentally tough to gain an advantage. That's why I print t-shirts and anyone who goes through my program, they get the t-shirt. So they're wearing these things around proud. And that's what our goal is, is as MPM coaches, you don't come to us when you're weak. We'll be ready when you're weak. We'll be ready for you to help you, but we're going to build you up. So when those tough times get there, you're ready and you know what to do. We're going to give you something to go to when you need something to go to, but I'm at the games, this and that. And I always, I will always present to a team. I'll do a 15 to 20 minute presentation. I'm not going to overload them. I don't want to, I don't want to bore my players. You know, when I say bore, they're routine oriented players. I don't want to break that up but I'll hit them with the 10 to 15 minute message. But the way I have my structure in place right now, I don't need to present to them because they got the podcast every single morning. All right. They're going to get, they're going to get a video, uh, you know, at the beginning of the month and, and, you know, I'll throw out a little, 
article that I'm going to write that they're going to get posted on the board. So they're going to get the information. When I get there, it's okay. Do we need to do any work? And, and let's just polish up what we worked on in spring training. Let's polish up what we worked on, you know, when last time we were on a call. Yeah, I think it's so good. I mean, Zach, what you're talking about is changing an organizational and a sport culture around the need of mental performance. And I think when you look at different sports, right? So you look at lacrosse, you look at football, you look at baseball, you look at basketball, every sport has their own culture. And the cool part about being an MPM coach is you get to kind of get into those different cultures. And like when I go work in NASCAR and I don't know, I don't know anything like I'm going to go work for free and I'm going to go be around and I'm going to ask a lot of questions of people and be like, who is this guy? And I just make it known, hey, I don't know the sport. I don't know the culture. So I got to ask a lot of questions. And just the faster you guys can educate me and speed up my learning curve, because there's no ego here. I'm just here to help serve and, and, and get you guys to, you know, to create a winning culture. I know what a winning culture looks like. I don't know what a NASCAR winning culture looks like, but I'm sure it's going to be pretty close because success leaves clues. And I think when you just put it out there like that, that, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm asking these questions. Like I'm on the sideline with Maryland lacrosse and I'm like, hey, what's offsides? You know, and the guy's like, bro, really? I'm like, yeah, really? Because I want to know. So just tell me. But I always grab the guy who's injured or grab the guy who's not playing. You know, not, not, he's not even in uniform. He's injured. He's on crutches. And I'm like, hey, you got nothing going on. Just talk to me. Coach me up. That's your job today. And then, I, and then that helps build a connection. I think gives them like a role of, well, at least I'm doing something to contribute, you know? So that's been successful for me. But I think, Zach, what you're saying is trying to change a culture because there is a stigma still around athletics and it's changing. It's changing with social media and all the awareness around mental health and everything. But there's still a stigma that says you go to the mental performance coach when you are broken, when you're weak, when you're struggling. And still the majority of athletes that come to me come when things aren't going their way and when they're struggling. However, even though it's, even though it's still, let's say 70, 30, they're coming to me because things aren't going well and they're looking for answers. It used to be 95, five. So there is a shift happening. It's just still heavy towards the direction of you go to the mental performance coach when you're screwed up, where I think, you know, part of our responsibility, it's changing. And a guy like Joe Madden, who's the manager of the angels and one world series of the Cubs who you played with or played for in the angels organization, he would say, you know, if you're not speaking to a mental performance coach in 2021 on a consistent basis, you don't want to be great. And I just think that's kind of the battle that we're all fighting. So you have to know that going in, that there's going to be coaches who are threatened by you. There's going to be people who look at you as this is ridiculous. I do this already. They're going to look at you as a bandaid and a crutch. And that's where I think we have to be really proactive and going in tight, sharp on it, looking the part, energy off the charts and going, here's the system. Here's the results it's going to get. Here's how we're going to go do it. And you bring an edge to it. So people go, shit, I got to buy that. That's good. I, I need that. You know, and you're and you challenge people to grow. So Zach, one of the questions came in that said, uh, from Matt Verducci, do you ever consult with the Braves coaches? And you started to kind of talk about this or is your role strictly with the athletes at this time? Talk unpack that kind of your, your relationship with coaches, players, but then also in major league baseball, like front office, like how do you manage those three things between management players and coaches and your work there? Or is it solely with players? And then maybe what was it like when you were with the Rangers too? Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a great question. The answer is, is I'm here for everybody. And, and we, we kind of hit on it earlier. It's like this mental performance training, the MPM is going to change the life of an athlete and extend his career and, and turn him into to someone who he wants to become. It's going to do the exact same for a coach. And here's what's interesting. So for me, I've got the big league club that, you know, they don't call on me a whole lot because I was hired to work with the minor league guys, but when they need you, they're going to call you. Right. But then I've got, I've got the four levels of minor league baseball and you got the, you know, and you got the young guys too. So it's like, I can't be everywhere at once. So I utilize the staff to 
help me to deliver a message. And if you think about it, so you got athletic trainers, you got strength coaches, you know, plus your staff that's on the field staff that's there all the time. There's nobody better to recommend players to me than to those guys. You know, you think about the the athletic trainers, our players, when they are broke, when they are broken, when they are hurting, when they need help, they go to the athletic trainers and there's that bond that's there. Okay. And they're going to tell them everything. It's oftentimes they're not going to, you know, they're not always going to go talk to their, their hitting coach about what they're worried about, not making it to the big leagues, they're going to go talk to their, their, their athletic trainer. Well, if I have a relationship with the athletic trainers, bam, we have this great connection where those guys are actually, they're referring players to me and they're saying, Hey, you know, I've worked with Zach before he's helped with some of our players. Are you okay if I connect you guys? And I have an in because once you start getting recommendations from staff, you know, you're going to be doing that job as long as you want to do that job. Um, and, and that's something to remember. So, but, but think about that, you know, if, if, if we can, again, it goes back to what we talked about. You can, if you can, how do you change a culture? You get staff on board. If you get, if you, if I could get, here's, here's my right here with the Atlanta Braves. If I can get my staff listening to my podcast on the way to the field every single day. And then when they huddle up before they stretch and say, okay, what's the one key takeaway from the, uh, you know, the message we heard this morning, then I'm impacting the players I want to impact plus staff, plus this, plus that. And so absolutely. And I, I think that's impressive. And, and uh, I mean, we, we talked about it. It's like, it's like, you know, mental performance training for parents. It's mental performance training for coaches. It's all the same. We all need it. We haven't been taught it. It's new to most of us and it's going to impact everybody exactly the same way. And you're impacting them without physically being there. And that's one of the things like, I think I interviewed maybe, and I know we got a lot of baseball guys on this call in the MPM certification. I think I interviewed with five different major league teams this year and the San Francisco 49ers. And they were all looking for someone who can kind of, 49ers were a little different, but everyone was kind of looking for someone who can be there all the time. And I said, one, I can't do that. And two, I don't think that's what you need. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Because when you're there all the time, I think you blend in like people, like, Sometimes we tune players tune out their parents because they're with them all the time. They'll even turn out their coach, tune out their coach because they're with them all the time. So I think you can be available all the time, but not need to be present physically with them all the time. Zach, would you kind of unpack your thought on that? Of, of do you need to be with a team for 162 games every day, every year, and and or is it better if you're in and out? You think? Yeah, you know, I, I love that concept and I agree with what you're saying, Kane. I know you know that I agree with that. But, you know, the reason why I'm not with Texas Rangers anymore, two reasons. Number one is they wanted me, me to be there full time. And second of all, I was working underneath a different system. Okay. And, and the system was a system that I uh, felt like needed to be more proactive. And, and so when I went out and I interviewed with the, with the Braves, I said, you know, here, here's what I can give you. Here's what it looks like to me. And they actually said that, you know, we'd love to have you get to the point where we can have you all the time. And I said, okay, but I don't think that's uh, necessary. And they're like, really? I mean, other organizations have somebody at each level, each affiliate. And I said, there's a very important question I can ask when I show up on Thursday to the ballpark for the first time in three weeks. And they're like, well, what's that? I can ask a player what's going on. Now, if I'm with them day in and day out, I don't, I don't ask the question, what's going on? I know what's going on. And even more importantly, they know that I know what's going on. I'm not going to be able to get to, the, get to them immediately. So what's interesting about that is when I'm not there all day, every day, and I show up and I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? Everything good? And I get that look out of them. I'm like, hey, do we need to talk? They all of a sudden trust in me and are willing to talk to me because I'm not there every day. 
it's kind of an interesting concept, but it's been very effective and work for me. Now, I do a lot of work. Like you said, I'm always available to them at any given time. When that phone rings, I answer it. Um, if I can't get to it that second, I immediately get back to them and say, hey, I'll get you tonight. You know, I was on the phone with two of my players last night. My minor league baseball starts tomorrow. I got lots of anxiety. I, I think there's a question here we can hit on. The minor league players haven't been there for a long time. Yeah, the question was, you know, what's your advice for these guys that have they're looking to start a season after being away for 19 months from the games? Yeah, so I think if if Kane were to answer that question, he'd start out by just saying "good," okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I think to, how I would answer that question is is perspective. Okay, so here's the perspective that you can use. You can either say, man, I haven't been in a live game for 19 months, or you can say, hey, nobody's gotten me out in 19 months, man. I mean, no one's got a hit off me in 19 months. And I know we're kind of playing games, but, you know, Kane and I were talking about this the other day. Oftentimes when you're out there performing, especially at an elite level, you have to play these mental games with yourself. Okay, you should step in that box and be like, I have not gotten out in 19 months. Okay. Think about that. You know, I had a quarterback who, who, who took a year off or something like that. And he's like, man, I'm going to be rusty. I'm like, why would you be rusty? He's like, well, I haven't played in over a year. And I'm like, yeah, you haven't made any mistakes in over a year. No, no interceptions, you know, no miss. Everything's been on cue for the past, you know, year and a half. So again, as perspective, you play games with yourself, but you always go back to your, your routines, which are going to give you the confidence to get through that game. Yeah, I think the the concept of playing mental games with yourself and playing the right mental games with yourself, and I know a lot of people on this call and listening to this will have watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, which came out to me in the pandemic. And that was one of the things, two things that stuck out to me that I thought were so good was when, I think it was Ahmad Rashad who was being interviewed as, you know, I think he was a CBS or NBC announcer, and he said, Michael Jordan's greatest gift wasn't his ability to play defense. It wasn't, it wasn't how competitive he was. He said, Michael Jordan's greatest gift was his ability to be present. The guy was always present, always where he needed to be, you know, in terms of being present, not thinking about the past, the future. He was just there in the moment, different time, no social media, et cetera. Um, but that's interesting that he would say that. The other thing I thought that was really good is how good Jordan was at playing mental games with himself. Like they said, oh, the guy's just offensive. He averages 32 points a game. He's MVP, but he doesn't play defense. Next six years, he's all first-team defense in the NBA. Carl Malone, as you know, if you're Utah Jazz, Zach gets the MVP, and Jordan just attacks him in the playoffs, right, and takes it right to him. I mean, that guy would find anything to make a competitive advantage for himself and to find that edge. And it was interesting that Sean Casey, who, you know, for the, for the listeners, Sean Casey played Major League Baseball 11 years, lifetime 300 hitter, big time into the mental game. I do a podcast with him. It's just going to start coming out every week. It's called Coffee with Kane and Casey. And in one of our episodes, he talked exactly about that, about creating your edge. Now, Sean Casey was voted by other players in Major League Baseball as the nicest guy in baseball. And I said, how are you voted the nicest guy in baseball his nickname is the mayor because he knew and connected with everybody, but you're also a fierce competitor and one of the best players like to play the game. And he talked about continuing to stack chips on your shoulder and creating that edge. You know, so I think some of those mental games that you play with yourself become critical. Um, Zach, anything around mental games, maybe that you used as a player when, to, to play with yourself or the go-to games that you use now with players who you're consulting with? Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest things for me is I, I help them understand what the breath is. And, you know, as a player, I, I wasn't a big believer in the breath. I didn't know what it did. Right. I mean, you see people taking the breath, but this and that, but, but it, as, as I sit and talk to players, you know, the breath is a big thing. And then for me, it's just routines. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I struggle with, the biggest question I get out of parents when I'm working with high school athletes or even college athletes is my son's really struggling. He has no confidence. Okay. In fact, I went out to a major powerhouse university baseball program a couple of years ago and, 
you know, historically one of the best to ever, ever play in, in college baseball. And they're really, they're like nine and 30. I'm like, what's up coach. And he's like, Oh, we're really struggling. I'm like, yeah, you're nine and 30, you know? And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, well, we have no confidence. Right. And I'm like, well, okay. What do you mean? And he says, well, you know, until we win, we're never going to have confidence. So, so for me, just teaching individuals how to do confidence, you know, and, and that hit me so hard when I first learned that from you, Kane, doing confidence. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And then I started saying, oh, I get it. So your routine, so I start stacking wins. You know, it's the success checklist that Corbin Burns talked about yesterday that you've been teaching us all about. When you go out there, you have your success checklist, you have your routine, you go out and you win the morning, you dominate the day. Okay, we've all heard that plenty of times, but it's not just something Kane says. When you go out there and attack your day, you win your day, you win your morning, that's how you gain your confidence. For Corbin Burns, he says, I was... I had my confidence because I was prepared. Well, what's that mean? It means that he was, he was crushing his day. So when, if I can get an athlete to sit down with me and build out their days, we talked about in 15 minute increments or whatever it may be. And you stick to that day in and day out, then you're going to get them to make a difference. How do I know that? Because that's what I did with my life. Okay. So I sat down with Kane when I first started this, he's like, I said, I don't have time to read the books. I don't have time to listen to the podcast. I don't have time to become more mentally tough. And he's like, well, what does your day look like? I'm like, well, I get up. What time do you get up? Well, the alarm goes off at 4.45 AM. Okay. What's the first thing you do? I go to the bathroom. Perfect. Here, here's the daily dominator. Put that next to the toilet, read one page a day. Boom. I read the daily dominator next to the toilet for last year for five straight years, every single morning. Okay, then I drive to the, you know, but once we start mapping out what my day looks like and creating personal victory mm. in my day, okay, when I created personal victory in my day, I was a whole different person. And, and I said, if that's going to work for me, it's going to work for these guys. And it does. And a lot of confidence is going to come from getting yourself to do what you said you were going to do. It's accountability, right? Accountability is a precursor to confidence. And I think I just, you know, you mentioned the Corbin Burns podcast. And right now, Corbin Burns is a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. In 2018, he comes out of the bullpen for the Brewers at the end of the year in their run to the National League Championship game. He's like 7-0, and two-run two ERA, you know, 2.0 ERA, and, and one of the best guys out of the bullpen in the game. They make him a starter in 2019 in his first 40 innings. As a starting pitcher, to log 40 innings, he had one of the highest ERAs ever in the game. It was over 10. 2020, uh, we start working together in about September of 2019 because he gets sent down to the minor league, sent out to Arizona to the pitching lab, and we'll talk about that in the podcast. 2020, he finishes sixth in the Cy Young, and this year he currently uh, has 49 strikeouts, zero walks. I think he's two and two. He's lost like two games by a run or something like that, and he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And yesterday we had a chance to sit down and do a podcast and I'm going to, I'm scrambling to get it edited and get it cleaned up and get it posted today. But when I put, when I post the podcast, I'll put it inside of the Facebook group for y'all as MPM coaches and I'll send it out because it's not every day you get an interview with the guy who's literally the best in the world at what he's doing right now on any stage, major league baseball being his stage. And he talks about the mental game and, and what we're doing as mental performance coaches like it's his birthday. I mean, he's just like, yeah, I was born September 20th, 1978. Here's what I do. Bah, 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 bah. Here's what I do. An hour later, it's like 30 strategies. Here's what I do. I'm getting goosebumps because it was so, it was so good that here's the, here's a guy who is executing the program the way it should be executed. And he's getting the result. You know, another, another player, Nick Solak, second baseman with the Texas Rangers was just named, um, you know, 
American League, so the National League and American League in baseball, they pick a player of the month for every position. Nick Solak in the first month is April Major League American League second baseman of the month. You know, so it's exciting when these guys follow through and they execute on the plan, and then they see the results. So, uh, question. Zach, that come, came in from, from, from Taylor Armstrong. He said, I have a question about the intersection between mental performance and mental health. As an MPM coach, psychiatrist, I'm interested in how often you and Zach might come across athletes with significant mental health challenges, illnesses, and how do you get involved and what resources do you use? You want to take that one or you want me to go? I'll, I'll throw out what I do with the Atlanta Braves. Yep. Um, so, so the Atlanta Braves have a, a clinical psychologist on staff. And it's really cool because, you know, a lot of times when you have a clinical psychologist, he actually hired me and he separates the difference between clinical psychology and on-field performance psychology, which is awesome. And so anytime he gets an on-field issue, he pushes him my way or pulls me in. And he's actually told me, you know, Hey, if, if it gets to be anything clinical, just send them my way. And that's great. Um, that doesn't mean that, that, you know, in, in whatever you guys decide to do in this, you're not going to have to deal with it. I think what my advice would be, cause I haven't dealt with it a ton because I send it to Sam, but my advice would be is surround yourself with people who are experts in the area and, and always be able to give that assistance. Now that doesn't mean in those situations and scenarios that your on-field performance psychology isn't going to help them. But if there's an issue that needs to be addressed, I feel like I owe it to that player or that individual to be able to get them the help they need. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very good question that Taylor comes up with. And I, and, and it's interesting. If I had to rewind the clock and go back and I would give this advice to, to MPM coaches here, I mean, I would never go back and, and go anywhere other than Cal State Fullerton, but it was because of my relationship with Ken Revisa. When I got done with Cal State Fullerton, I wanted to go do my PhD at Tennessee and I ended up taking a high school teaching job, but I would have done my PhD in sports psychology. If I had to go back, I probably would have gone on to either do a clinical psychology, the degree, whether it was a master's or a doctorate to get that training. And this, one of the regrets I have in life is I didn't go back and get, I didn't get that training. And for, for the MPM coaches that are on here, the MPM certification is in no way a mental health or clinical training. It is mental performance, which is your, most of the time when I'm doing mental performance, I'm working with people who are highly functional. They're highly functional. And my brother who struggled with drug, alcohol, depression, uh, ended up committing suicide in June during the pandemic. So I, so my life has been around mental health challenges and it's, it's a different, it's a different skill set. It's a different training. So if I ever have, um, and I, and in my career, I haven't had a lot. I mean, I can probably count on the number of hand, uh, 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 one hand, how many times I've had, whether it was suicidal, whether it was drug alcohol, whether it was a deep depression, um, you know, I would get them, I would refer them to someone. And the person who I often refer them to is Dr. Melissa Sapio, who's a clinical psychologist in New York, who studied under Rob Gilbert and she studied under Rob Gilbert. So I know she knows the, some of the performance side and some of the same language and, and all the people who I'm working with, I often have them call success hotline. So when I say, Hey, this is, this is the one that, this is the psychologist that Dr. Gilbert talks about all the time. This is, this is, um, do a little bit more, you know, this is Melissa Sapio and they're like, Oh, okay. And then, and then it opens up a door there. But I think it's really important that we as mental performance coaches understand the difference between mental health and clinical psychology and coaching the 10 pillars, mindset, routines, habits, visualization, and mental imagery 
um, emphasis on process over outcome. So I think it's a really good distinction and a, and a really good question uh, that Taylor brings up. And I think if you get into a place where you ever you ever have you know questions, uh, always always play on the cautious side of saying, "Hey, let me let me get back with you." And think about maybe a, a clinical psychologist you can consult with and say, what do you think of this? And then have, have someone, if you're doing this, to be able to refer them to. And it's interesting with Mental Performance Certifications Act is there's some people that get in this and, and the, the brainchild behind this when I created this was high school coaches, personal trainers, you know, people that wanted to be able to coach mental performance with the clients that they were, they were working with. So in a gym, in a team setting, and the cool part about it is I think it's so well done that there's a lot of people like yourself who don't, I want to be a full-time mental performance coach. And it's like, okay, well, if you're a full-time mental performance coach, you're probably going to see more of those situations than you might if you were a, a personal trainer or a baseball coach who wants to be able to coach the mental game to help your teams win more, your clients get more results. So it's just knowing the environment that you're in and knowing how and when to refer. But great question, Taylor. Let's go to Eric. Eric's question is, um, so, so how much do, does Zach and your degree in sports psychology come into play when you're coaching business? And, and Eric, I know we, we, you hopped on here kind of in the middle of the call, but we, we talked about this early, but we'll come back to it. Um, and I would say my paper degree of sports psychology, the paper that says master's degree in sports psychology has done zero. The relationship, the mentorship, the training, the education that I got from Ken Revisa in watching him coach mental performance has done everything. So is it the degree? No, it was the relationship and the mentorship in the system and observing how to do the work. So just because you have, and there's a lot of people that will like, if you go to grad school and I get an email once a week, someone going, Hey, do you have an internship? And my question always to them is in your program, call it the TCU master's degree program in sports psychology. How many times have you seen a coach? How many times have you seen a professor who you're studying under work with a coach athlete or team? And they'll spend $40,000 a year on a master's degree for two years and not one time, not one time, see a professor work with a coach, athlete, or team. And to me, that's, that's a, a travesty because they're giving you basically a textbook, not giving you a example of this is how you do the work. And that, my friends, in my experience, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think I am, is the way that majority of the programs are done. And because there's a big disconnect between sports psychology theory in research and what you have to do as an academic to keep your job with research and what you have to do as a coach whose, whose income and livelihood is directed related to results. There's a big difference. A professor, they got to write a paper that seven people are going to read in a research journal. A mental performance coach, you got to go get results or your coach gets fired and you get thrown out with them. So Zach, what about you? How about your master's degree? How much does that play, come to play for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just just mimic everything you said. Kind of a quick funny story. You know, I'm talking to, a, I think he was a triple A player. So he's one level below the big leagues. And I was just getting into this. He played with the Seattle Mariners organization. And I was, you know, I'm asking all these questions because we gain information by asking questions. So I'm like, you know, you've had several different mental performance coaches on your path up to triple A. I'm like, do you trust or listen to or work with all of them? And he's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, well, how do you distinguish between which one you work with or which one you don't with? And he's like, well, the first thing I do is I look at arm action. If he can throw a baseball, then maybe I'll start listening to him. But what he was trying to say is, you know, oftentimes, you know, there, there are these uh, individuals that get jobs with, with organizations and, um, and they've never been around the game. Mm. And uh, it's really interesting to me because if I were doing the hiring, I guess, you know, 
the sports have so many unwritten rules or so many things that you can't really learn by reading about the sport or Googling the sport as we would try to prepare to go out there for competition, right? As a coach, just like mental performance training. And so I, I think that's an important thing. So I really didn't get a whole lot out of my uh, master's program, but I, I do have the letters behind my name, which allows me to interview for a lot of jobs. Um, but what do I teach? What do I train? It's all applied sports psychology that I learned from Brian Kane that, you know, from Kendra Viza. And, and honestly, that's what the players, in my opinion, that's what the players are looking for. Applied performance psychology. Yeah. And there's, and there is, there are people who have had jobs in major league baseball who have never spent it doing mental performance coaching that have not spent a day, a day in a sports psychology class, a clinical psychology class, or in any certification. But what they have is they have a system and they're able to connect and they're able to develop relationships and they're able to, to do the job because they've been doing the job for a long time, just without necessarily having the formal training, you know, and, I think that's a difficult road to go down, but it is possible. And I think the thing you get with the certification is it's not the piece of paper on the wall that does anything for you. It's the content in the system and the strategy. It's the drills that you can do with your clients. And I think, you know, with certification courses, I think sometimes, and I get emails like this from some of our membership where they get the certification, they go, Hey, I got certified. How do I get clients now? And it's like, well, how do you get clients with the other coaching that you're doing? How do you get clients? You hustle, you, you market, you educate, you brand, you go out and connect and you build relationships and you just do it like you, how would you get clients if you were a real estate agent? It's no different, you know, but then once you get the client, then you have to know how to get the results. And I think one of the biggest mistakes is people don't understand the three steps to what I call three steps to becoming an expert in your, in your industry. Step one, master the content. And, and the sole purpose of the certification was to give you the content and the strategies that you can use to get results. It's what I've been doing for 20 years. And Zach, it sounds like it's, it's a large part of what you're doing. So one is master the content. Two is master the delivery. And when you're talking about the delivery, that's where we can go back to every sport, as you said, Zach, has a culture. Every sport has a set of social norms. And if I'm much more comfortable walking into baseball or football because I've been around those sports my whole life versus if I were to go walk again into NASCAR or go into, um, even when I go into the corporate sector, it's a little bit uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me because I haven't spent a lot of time in there. I don't exactly know what the social norm is, but I know the first thing I got to do is my radar goes up is find out what are the social norms here around language, around behavior, around what you can and can't say, what you can and can't do, et cetera. And it's going to change based off of the environment. So one, master the content, two, master the delivery. And then three is the positioning and the branding to be able to get yourself clients and, and do the business. But I see too often people jump right to number three and they go out and they try to get the branding and they try to get the marketing and all that down. But then when they get the clients, they can't deliver the results. So their clients are one and done versus I, I look at every client that I get is going to be a client for life because I, feel I want to provide such a value that they're never going to leave because they see the value of what you're doing and what you're bringing to help them achieve their goals. So what's your take kind of on that, Zach? I mean, you obviously have gone through that process too of, of, of content mastery delivery, and now the branding with the hard 90. What's your thoughts on, on that process for MPM coaches that are with us here? Yeah. I mean, I love what you're teaching. And I, I think, you know, the way I looked at it is you, it's almost like being a player yourself. It's like, it's like, you know, you, you're working way up for me in baseball, you're working way up in the minor leagues. 
Okay. You make, you're on the team, you're in spring training with the big league club, you're waiting for your name to be called. When your name is called, that might be your one shot. And not to put pressure on you guys as coaches, but you know, when they say, okay, let's see what you got, you know, what are you going to do with that? And so that's where the content mastery comes. One thing I love about the certification, Kane, and, and it's actually blown me away as, as I've, I've gone through this process with you for the past five or six years is, and I've already mentioned this once before, but it's worth mentioning again, Kane, Brian Kane has given you all the content. He's given you 20 years of his experience, his expertise, his research, everything that he has, he's given to you guys to use. And so, you know, for, for me, it's like, you don't have to go out and do a ton of research on what am I going to present? Okay. If you master the content that's in the certification and yeah, you're going to take it and, and, and mix it up a little bit, just like I do. Okay. Like I've changed mine to phenom. When you look at it, it's the exact same as the, is the pillars. It's just written different. Okay. Um, so where, so where I can deliver it in a way that I'm super passionate about, all right? But when you master the content, when that phone rings and you're ready to go and you have the energy and the excitement and the passion, you become the expert. And when you become the expert and you can, you can influence, I guess is a great word, when you can influence a player to jump on board, they're going to see the results. But, but that's the one thing that's just been amazing to me is that all the content that Kane has come across in the past 20 years is right at your fingertips, and, and for me, when I go back to the success checklist or I go back to the way of life app or the things that you've taught us recently, written in there for me to do is to go back through the certification. Because just because I went through the certification one time doesn't mean I've got it, okay? Um, I'm constantly going back through. And, and you mentioned this about my podcast. Uh, and, and what you mentioned is exactly what my thoughts were. When I do one year's worth of podcast, my hope is that I can rinse and repeat. And I'm going to throw it back out there the next year because what I taught on January 1 of 2021, when they hear it on January 1 of 2022, they're going to be like, yep, yep, I need to get back on that. Mm. I got to get back on track. That's my thoughts. Well, it was interesting yesterday in the podcast with Corbin Burns, which again, I'll post inside of the Facebook group and, and, and people will get if they follow my podcast feed, but you should because it's all, all my podcasts are NPM related, whether it's interviewing a coach or an athlete that's gone through a system or continuing to build the culture or the content in there. Um, the the one thing that Corbin said yesterday is one of the questions was, hey, you know, you've gone through the 30-day athletes program. How do you still use that? And his his approach and his plan is he says, well, I'll go through it in like at the start of the season. So like in January, he'll go through the 30-day athletes program to kind of refresh the memory on what's in that content. And then every day of the month, he touches his notes. So today's the recording. This is May 3rd. He's going to look at the notes from day three on May 3rd. What's he looking at on day on May 15th? He's looking at day 15. And I think if you can create that system, that's going to be going to be really, really good in terms of, of the consistency and the and the, the reinforcement of what you're trying to teach. So remember the three steps to maximum growth. Step number one, total immersion learning experience. It's why if I'm working with an athlete new, I'm like, hey, let's get together, come out to the house, let's get together for like an eight-hour day, and just here's the fire hydrant, here's the fire hose, here's what the whole thing looks like. Or I'll say, go through the whole 30-day program in like a weekend. Just binge it. And once they binge it, we'll get on a call, talk about what stuck out to them initially, what they thought was best. And then after they go through that total immersion, then we go spaced repetition. And spaced repetition is I want you to touch the notes every day, do a little, a lot. What I love about your podcast, Zach, the hard 90, is you read the book, total immersion. I couldn't put it down. You listen to the podcast every day, spaced repetition. The next step is accountability partner and a growth plan. And I think the next, the next move for you as a mental performance coach is creating the hard 90 group coaching. 
hard, the hard 90 group, the team hard 90. I'm getting fired up talking about it, the team hard 90. And if they're on the podcast, your call to action is, Hey, you've gone through the book, join my team hard 90, where, you know, we're going to do a weekly group coaching session, sign up for 10 or however you decide you want to do it. We can talk about that off air, but you know, creating that hard 90 group coaching then allows you to provide for those players and for those coaches or those parents, the spaced repetition with the podcast and then the accountability and the growth plan saying, here's the one thing I want you to do between now and the next call, something like that. So cool. Well, time-wise, Zach, I know you got to bounce here. I want to be respectful of that. Um, uh, let's see. Let's go to Jason. Jason's question was, what makes you, Zach? Let's see. This is Jason. What makes you, you versus you versus Brian? The intention of the question is to understand different across the movie. Um, yeah, let me. I, yeah, I, you think I, know, I, I, I think I, I know where Joseph's yeah, where yeah, going yeah, with this. Yeah. So, you know, Brian Kane is a unique soul. Okay. And I, I think you guys all know what I'm talking about. So, when I describe Brian, I'm like, you know, so you have a level of one to 10 on energy, and he's, he, he hovers around a nine and a half before he gets excited. Okay. So, when I started doing training, in fact, I remember the first event that I spoke out of yours, Kane, down in, uh, down in, down in Texas, down there. Yeah. I got out there and I was like, I'm going to be Brian Kane. <laughs> you know, here, here I come. And I get out there and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, you know, the whole deal. And I'm like, that didn't work. That didn't work. And, and I think the more comfortable you get, the more confident you get because you, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the term master, but because you understand the content, you can deliver the content, you become you. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday again, too. But when you first start out as, a, as an athlete, your focus is, okay, how can I get results? And Oftentimes, your focus is on how can I get results against the other team? So what do I need to do for that, for that, for that, for that? When you become established and you understand who you are, it becomes about being your very best every single day. When I started out, I tried to be Brian Kane, like I mentioned. I tried to deliver messaging exactly the same way he does. And I, and I attacked it the exact same way because he's so good at what he does. I then started realizing who I was, how I wanted to deliver my messaging, when I bring my energy, when I stay even kill, okay? When I tell my personal stories, when I don't. Because, you know, that's something that I get in trouble with at times. You know, when I tell too many personal stories about my past... I don't want them to think that this is about me. I think that makes sense. But, but I think that's a good, I, I think that's the question you're asking is how do you know when you should be Brian and when you should be you? And the answer is you should be you. Um, and you will figure out, my advice is you will figure out who you are the more you get to do this, the more you get in front of the camera, the more you get in front of one-on-one coaching, the more you get on, on, on you know, in group settings, you will figure out who you are. But what you need to remember is this, is you've been through the certification, you have the content, you are the master's in mental performance. It's mental performance mastery certification. You are the master in this. You got to give yourself the credit you deserve because you have the information, you're working on the delivery and none of us are perfect, but you're going to continue to polish and you're going to continue to grow. You're going to get better day in and day out. And just like we expect out of our athletes, that's what you should expect of yourself is that you get a little bit better at this every single day. How do you do it? The same way we ask our players to do it. You give it a certain amount of time day in and day out. If you can only give it 1% of your day, day in and day out, because you work another job, do it. Imagine how much better you will be at this if you can invest 1424 every single day. Mm. And, and I know that you can become who you want to become, which is the very best version 
of yourself. Yeah. And I think it's such a good point too, of, of when I first started doing this, I tried to be Ken Revisit. I mean, I told his jokes, I laughed like him. I moved like him. I even found myself talking nasally like Ken did, you know, so I, and I did all that and I got his, and I have his picture in my office right there on the wall and I have it tattooed on my heart. So obviously the guy means the world to me. Um, so like, like you're saying, when you master the content, when I talk about mastering the content, it's you living the content, you living first what's in the certification program. Because if you can't live it, it doesn't come across as genuine. And if you, and once you live it, then it's easier for you to talk about when you're on stage and you have to practice. I mean, you have to practice. I practice, you know, if not daily, definitely when I have a seminar or something coming up, I mean, I dry run that thing in the clothes I'm going to wear, the jokes I'm going to tell, the music I'm going to play. I mean, it is a performance, right? So you practice the performance. And I've, and I've been at seminars where there's MPM coaches on stage with index cards reading to people. And I just, to me, as a member in the audience, I said, unless it's something you have to say verbatim because it's a quote or something like that, like you should know this content because you live it and you should study memorization so you can memorize the content. Because when you're in the audience, right, it's not so much about the content as it's about the connection. And I think as a teacher, as I've evolved and as I get more comfortable in front of audiences and I get more comfortable with the content and I live the content at a deeper level in my life, to be able to be there and know the content so well and know what's coming because you know what's coming in your framework, you can connect to the audience. And when you connect to the audience, they feel that and that's where the difference is made. So um, Zach, want to thank you for, for joining us today and talking about the hard 90 and kind of taking it from a perspective of a mental performance coach. It's been really interesting with your book to hear you share the hard 90 with high school baseball coaches high school baseball players, and now a group of elite mental performance coaches. So really cool to hear the different sides to that, you know? So we'll get this uh, audio out to you guys and video out to you guys. Zach, thanks for joining us. MPM coaches, thanks for joining us. And again, if you would, if you would please do two things. One, if you would go to Amazon and leave Zach a review for his book, The Hard 90, I'm going to post that inside of the group chat here. Boom. There's that. And then also if you want to go and get into the Hard 90 podcast, leave a review there as well. That'd be tremendous. And Zach, for our MPM coaches or people listening to this, where can they best contact you? Are you at Hard 90 on Instagram, Twitter? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, we're getting connected right now. I'm at, at Z Sorensen 4. That's Z-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N 4 right now. We're working on the Hard 90. Uh, you know, Someone else has it for now, uh, but but we're going to get our hands on that and we'll go from there. And then um, the website is being developed. Like I said, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in AIM mode right now, but you go to thehard90.com. It's going to take you to zsorensen.com. We're going we're gonna to keep going from there. So we're constantly evolving. I appreciate it. You know, um, Everything that Kane teaches me, I, I try to jump all over it, including what color shirt I should wear and all of the above because he is the ultimate coach and, and he's going to let you know. And, and just remember, everything thing that everybody says there's always some good nuggets in there that you can either you can either uh you know be bothered by i mean go ahead and take it from here Kane. but you can you can take it it's going to make you better day in and day out so thank you guys for being here any um advice you have for me uh throw it my way because i take everything that is said to me i, I take it as, as jewels that are precious as gold and i run with it Awesome. And Zach, I, thanks again for coming on here, man. And for our MPM coaches, again, this is, this is a journey. This is a lifestyle, you know, so let's make sure that we're taking what we learned from the certification, from this 
podcast, from our monthly calls, from anything you're listening to, you know, let's put it into our life and put it into play because we, and I saw this quote on the back, Steve Smith was the baseball coach at Baylor university. And, and he had a sign on the back of his door. And every time I'd walk out, I'd look at the sign and the sign said, athletes need a model to see, not a motto to say. And I challenged him. I said, Steve, I think they need both, man. I would agree with you hundred percent. They need the model to see first. And they need a motto to say, because what they say creates pictures and helps their mindset and it puts them on a path. So he took, he got up, he's like, you know, you're right. He took a piece of athletic tape, put it over the word that said not and changed it to and. So the sign real quick became athletes need a model to see and a motto to say. So we've given you what to say, what to do with the certification. Now it's a model. Now it's up to you to take it and embody it like Zach has, take it to embody it like many of our MPM coaches have. And when you do that, it comes across more genuine. You're able to make a bigger impact. And together, we can make the world a better place as we look to impact 10 million lives through mental performance coaching. Thanks for being here. Let's not count the days. Let's make the days count. See everybody. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to briancane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for, check out my Mental Performance Mastery Coaches certification where we teach you about the mindset, routines, and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for. If you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast, Head over to briancane.com and click on athletes. Check out my 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes program where I walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success. Thanks for being with us here on the podcast. Let's dominate the day.